is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. And we're now here into season three. I can't believe we made it this far into Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And Chris and Adam, we're back here for you guys in order to dig into the 2020 incoming class. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of content here that we're ready to dig into. And uh, we just wanted to give you guys a quick update as to where we're at in terms of both the podcast and some of the work you might have seen us doing over at Dynasty League Football and give you guys kind of a preview of what you can expect during the 2020 offseason. And right now, I think from a podcast standpoint, you can look forward to more of a regular schedule like a podcast from us. And you can look forward to some of the different shows we have uh, coming up for you. We'll have Adam talk about that in just a second. But if you don't catch us on stream or through the podcast, we will also have some of our quick bits uh, through the DLF mailbag. Uh, DLF has been gracious enough to bring us on in order to answer some of the questions that you might have regarding Dynasty. I mean, it could be strategy. It could be trade value. It could be how you would, I guess, value a player in startups or in any of your Dynasty drafts or in your rookie drafts. I mean, any question you might have pertaining to Dynasty, go hit up the folks over at DLF. I mean, they have uh, over on DLF in the resources tab, they should have a link there for the DLF mailbag. Go there. Put in your question, it'll come to us, and then we'll put together a four to five minute video, either referencing some of the tools, some of the great tools they have uh, there on the website. Now that they've acquired uh, FF Statistics, all the great tools that like Addison and some of those folks have been able to put together, some of the great research that folks like Peter Howard, Bobby Koch, I mean, any of those guys, I mean, you will have access, we'll be able to bring all that stuff in and answer your questions. So we'll put together a four to five minute video, Make sure that you're tagged in it so that you know that we've been able to like take care of your question or answer your question, and you can kind of see our thought process for how we would wind up attacking that question. You think I about summed it up right, Adam? Yeah, I think you hit on everything, and I just can't wait to get into the uh, into season three, man. Like you said, three seasons. I can't believe it. I still remember kicking the power cord on the first episode. Right. Here we are. <laughs> so we got three show types coming at you. So. In the past, you, you've seen our interviews predominantly. We've had a couple episodes with just you and I, but most of the time we've got a guest and they're bringing their particular area of expertise. And we're just kind of trying to dig into their brains and also kind of understand and add to the conversation. Well, now going forward, we're going to have uh, banter episodes. Uh, it's just going to be you and I and sometimes friends that come on and we're just going to hit dynasty topics. We're going to have fun. We'll share some laughs. Then we'll have the interview show where it's pretty much what you're used to hearing from us now. Um, 
The only difference is going to be we're going to try to just cram out as many questions as we possibly can into the one episode, and you'll hear a little bit less from us. So for some of you, that might be a plus. What we're going to do from there is we're going to have the practical application episode. So we've just really hammered home practical applications since day one. I mean, we probably mentioned it the first episode. The whole point of this show is to take the knowledge, absorb it, be a sponge, and then regurgitated onto your dynasty teams. So what you and I are going to do is we're going to take the questions that we asked our guests the previous episode, and we're going to try to apply it, whether it be to our dynasty teams or just in general. Uh, And with those three different show types, I feel like we're really going to broaden our horizons and I'm really excited for the season going forward. Yeah, I think it gives us a little bit of flexibility regarding the types of shows and like it doesn't always have to be an interview style podcast. And I know Mm -hmm. like for some folks, they might enjoy that. And like I definitely enjoyed it because we were able to talk to a number of different great folks like last season. I mean, we had Mark Schofield on the show. We had Matt Harmon on the show. I mean, we had I mean, we had Jesse on the show. We had I mean, Peter, like what, two, three times. Bobby, like two, three times. I mean, all of the great folks that were able to you know grace us with their presence on this show. And we've had fun in each of them. But, it, I mean, doing these different types of shows gives us a little bit more flexibility because if you like the banter that you might hear during, let's say, like something like uh, Dynasty Game Night, sure. you know, if, you want, if you want that type of vibe, like we'll have that. Uh, if you really like some of the interview style like podcasts that you might get if you do if you like listening to Dynasty Crossroads like with the I mean rest in peace Jake Anderson but I mean for I mean for folks that enjoy that type of podcast I mean we'll have that as well so I think in terms of like kind of I don't know changing and like understanding the different flavors of Dynasty podcasts that they have out there right now I think we're trying to just kind of mold along with it and so you got to sure. get you get more of us and you get different styles of us. And I think that will, I mean, it helps us and you get to know us a bit more and our thought processes. And also we'll still have some of the great folks that we've been able to, you know, get on the podcast and kind of spit their game and kind of le- and let you guys know what they've been working on like during the off season and during the season as well. So that's, that's our plan. We hope that you guys will be along the, uh, you know, for the ride for us, like during the, during the off season and kind of getting back into between us doing our thing here at dynasty owners manual Dwight Peebles doing his thing over at Devi Owner's Manual. There should be plenty of content between the two, you know, between the two podcasts in order for you guys to get your fix, along with many of the podcasts that you'll be listening to through the DLF family of podcasts. I mean, so with that, I mean, we just wanted to give you guys a quick update and talk to you guys real quick and just like, I don't know, kind of have a, you know, a quick discussion about some of the stuff that we've seen over the last couple of weeks and kind of you know, put that into some of the off seats or I guess uh, during the a previous season, I guess, the things that we saw from there. So first thing we want to dive into, I mean, so Adam, what do you think about uh, the Panthers bringing in Matt Rule as their, as their head coach? Well, one of the first kind of snippets I saw of this is that he wouldn't go to a situation where there was not an established quarterback. And I thought that said a lot because I'm a firm believer that Cam just should stay in Carolina. I mean, I think it's best for everybody. I think he got a full year off, which I think he should have had already, um, especially if you learned anything from Andrew Luck. Uh, yeah. Might have actually had something to do with shutting him down, but he had the timely ankle injury at the same time as the shoulder, and it just really wasn't worth it. The shoulder wasn't coming along right. But after a full year, I mean, his price has gone way, way down. Um, can you imagine a time where Cam Newton was a – quarterback two pricing i mean no. in startups right now you're going to get to draft them as your qb2 pretty comfortably 
uh, and assuming he comes back healthy, I mean, it's the same thing with Andrew Luck. I was still drafting Andrew Luck, and you were taking a lot of risk, but you're going to get to draft one of these young up-and-coming guys and Cam Newton, and it's just going to be – I mean, if you can take a Lamar a little bit too early and then take Cam in that quarterback two range, that could really, really pay off. So with that, I mean, assuming that was a correct statement that he was only going to go to an established quarterback situation, I would like to think that he has information on Cam's recovery, and I would like to think that things are going well. There was a podcast out there with Adam Schefter. He puts out all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone listens to it. Uh, He interviewed Matt Rule, and they discussed his conversation with Cam Newton. I have not got to listen to that yet, but I'd imagine that provides some pretty good information in context. Yeah, I would think so too. And there were, I guess, two things, uh, two things that really stood out to me with this hire. I mean, one, uh, good on the Panthers for kind of taking this and trying to almost essentially do like a hard reset, like on the yeah. franchise, where it was they really wanted to like harness like the the youth of their team. I mean, because I mean they have st- uh, they have a star in DJ Moore. I mean, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, just now getting like having that thousand thousand season. Curtis Samuel coming along. I mean, we'll see about Ian Thomas and Greg Olson. We'll see if Greg Olson wants to hang it, hang him up. And then, of course, the Cam Newton situation that I just discussed. But having the, I guess, the the fortitude. I mean, in order to go out there and spend that money on a coach that they think can wind up turning this franchise around for the better. They didn't wind up trying to do go the retread route and bringing in one of those older coaches like Marvin Lewis, Jason Garrett. I mean, any of those other guys. It was, we want to try and do a hard reset and bring in like an actual, like a decent coach that brings in like a new culture like to this team. And I think given the, like given uh, his rules history at Baylor and what he was able to do in turning that franchise around, I mean, I mean, look at a program that was essentially given a death penalty after the whole Art Browse like fiasco and what he was able to do with that with, I mean, basically like, you know, subpar talent. He was able to dive in. He was looking into the analytics. He was trying to find those diamonds in the rough and taking a shot on some of those guys and trying to turn their talent and like embedding on that talent in order to turn that program around. He can do the same thing here. And I think with the talent that's already in place, I'm very excited to see what they're what they're capable of doing. And the other thing that caught my eye uh, was that. Uh, it looked like uh, like he had mentioned if it wasn't in a presser or something like that, not his like main press conference, but in some of the interviews he was having like shortly after he accepted the position, it was that he's looking for like an actual like NFL mentor. I mean, they've had a couple of other coaches that have reached out to him. I guess like he has like ties to Tom Coughlin. I don't think that would be the right guy that I'd want sure. mentoring me. Yeah. I mean, but just like the fact that he understands that. I mean, we've seen college coaches like come like come into the NFL and they've and they've kind of flamed out after a couple of years, like Chip Kelly and so on and so yeah. forth. I mean, we'll see like how well like Cliff Kingsbury winds up, you know, acclimating to the NFL scene. But the fact that he like like he's a, he's self aware enough that he's not just looking at the the bright lights, like the big the massive paycheck, the seven year leash, and like and, and all that. And just saying that, well, I'm just going to implement my system, and it is what it is. He understands that this is a this is a team with a ton of talent. It's a team that, if he wants to actually develop that talent, they they I mean, they could be playoff contenders. I mean, because especially in that division right there, we don't know like how the rest of that division is going to shake out. So yeah. if he winds up actually implementing a lot of the things that he was doing at Baylor, and it actually works out, I mean, we could wind up seeing this team as like a, as a playoff contending like type team. I think within the next couple of years. 
So there, there are a couple of things that stood out to me. I'm excited to see uh, what happens now. Like when it comes to the values of some of the, you know, the players, I'm not, I'm not all that concerned about DJ Moore. I'm, I'm just no. not. I mean, after the Cavill, I mean, they had three different quarterbacks that sure. started this year for the Panthers. And DJ Moore still wound up what over eleven hundred yards, close to twelve hundred yards, like this season. Yeah, he missed he missed uh, seventeen and sixteen as well. So he missed yeah. two weeks, and he still got over eleven hundred yards. So it's just it's impossible for me to think that you know if Cam Newton isn't there, I mean even though I still believe that he's going to be there, I mean unless they wind up like trying to I guess draft another quarterback and bring them in, I think that he's fine. Christian McCaffrey. The only thing I guess that you might be able to you might be able to look at is with uh, his time back at Baylor. I mean, they did wind up using some running back by committee. They mm-hmm. should have some depth behind CMC anyway, because I sure. can't believe that they're going to wind up trying to load him the same way that they did the, uh, this past season. Well, so we said that two years ago as well. That's fair. I mean, but I su- I'd be surprised they want to try and do that again like this yeah. upcoming season. But we'll see. But at the very least, they should be adding some depth behind him. So I'm, I'm hoping that that might, you know, maybe take some off them. But you're still drafting him, like, in the first round. I mean, there's just – there's really no way to get around that at this point. Uh, oh, I mean, he's probably the first overall pick next year. I, I think he has to be. Yeah, I, I, I think so. But I think well, from, from the, an offensive standpoint, I think most of the guys that are already in place, like, as, the, as your fantasy starters or, like, your high-value assets from the Panthers – I don't really see it like a massive change in value other than what's already happened to Cam. But the thing about Christian McCaffrey is he just had a thousand and a thousand. So it's really hard to say anything bad about a situation, but it just felt so much more productive when they had a uh, high tempo offense with Cam Newton. I mean, Mm -hmm. with healthy Cam Newton and really he's getting vultured by Cam Newton occasionally on the goal line. I don't think that we'll see that going forward. I don't have much to support that, but I would say with all these injuries and kind of almost going to feel like a career rebirth for Cam Newton, I would like to think that Christian McCaffrey gets to own that area. And you would think that, okay, you could say that if Cam Newton was healthy, maybe they would have gotten away from the 97% snap share of Christian McCaffrey. But I don't know that that would have been the case. And uh, even if it were supposed to be the case, there was no chance of that after Cam Newton went down. I mean, by the time Cam Newton went down, you weren't going to win a game with Kyle Allen if you didn't have Christian McCaffrey going for 100 either in the passing game or the rushing game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't – and, you know, they didn't put any depth behind him either. We had a little bit of C.J. Anderson for a while. That didn't work out. Uh, If you're trying out Jordan Jordan Scarlett behind him, uh, and expecting that to be okay. I don't think you were ever planning on limiting his snap share. So let's just hope he doesn't get injured because I don't think that snap share is going to change for as long as he's young and healthy. Right. Uh, I think it all hinges on Cam, though. I hope I hope Cam's back and healthy. Uh, I would like to – I think this team could be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, we won't get into the defensive side of the ball, but they have some huge holes there mm-hmm. on paper, on offense. I don't see why they couldn't be Super Bowl contenders next year. Uh, we'll see what we get out of Matt Rule, but healthy Cam, I think, puts them right in that Super Bowl conversation. To be honest with you, yeah, I, th- I think so. And the fact that they were able that they had as much confidence in him to wind up giving him that like that seven year tenure at the, I mean, at the least. I mean, it gives them yeah. plenty of time to like to rebuild, kind of reconstitute like most of the most of that team on both sides of the ball. And since he's bringing in like most of the same guys that he had at Baylor, you'll you'll see them be able to instill that same culture. So and, I, I'm I'm excited for him. I really am. 
Tepper is one of the best owners in the league, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you have a chance to watch the 2015 All or Nothing on uh, HBO, he's just a – he seems like he's just got the right attitude. He's a stock market guy. He, 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 I don't want to say he views his players as stocks because that's not really how he is. I don't want to give that impression. He really sure. was like a, he was really like a players guy. But he understands like I need to find value here and I need to pay up here and things like that. So I'd like to think he's got his head on straight with with Cam situation. I just think it's a very sturdy organization even though they lost a great head coach in ron rivera um and i kind of agree with that too i mean uh ron rivera is phenomenal head coach but i think uh he might not have been uh been able to adjust to let's say the analytics heavy front that they wanted to give and uh Maybe we see a Christian McCaffrey type Darius Geis next year. I mean, man, if the dude could stay healthy, I mean, how amazing would that be? A ninety percent snap share Darius Geis. Yeah, I think that'd be great. And well, well, I mean, that all remains to be seen because they have. I mean, Washington has a lot of work that they need to do. Yeah, I mean, from offensive line to wide receivers to tight end to I mean, most most of the guys on the defense, uh, the defense defensive front, I think, is pretty decent. It's, yeah, and, yeah, Ryan Kerrigan and all them. Drafting in the first round every year on the defensive line. I mean, yeah. pretty much have Alabama's defensive line. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming think, Josh Norman is gone after this season. Who cares? Yeah, he's, right. He's so bad, it's probably a plus. But they're bad almost literally, literally everywhere, which is comforting if you have been on the Darius guys bandwagon as long as I have because they can't afford to draft a running back. Right. Yeah, so it's going to be Geis again, assuming he's healthy and ready to go for the 2020 season, and hopefully and those folks that, yep, that drafted him in the first round, like myself, uh, you know, they'll be able to, you know, take some, you know, get some, you know, get a little bit of value back, like after holding on to that pick for so long. Hopefully, we see some Bryce Love. Yeah, but uh, let's move on to the darlings right now. I mean, this the old is, Miss guys. Oh, this is fantastic. I I love both of these guys, and you could go back to our shows uh, shows last year. I mean. DK was just getting slammed. And even when I participated in the slam, I just tried to say, I understand he can't run routes, but he landed in the perfect situation. And now I understand he can run routes Mm -hmm. and he also landed in the perfect situation. So my question is AJ Brown landed in a terrible, terrible situation. We thought, I mean, it made me rethink my whole dynasty philosophy because apparently it didn't matter. And he was down to 110, 111. Uh, DK landed in the perfect situation, so he pretty much stayed at like that 105. But now AJ Brown is uh, getting traded straight up for Juju in places. Wow. Uh, and DK is, uh, I mean, he's expensive. He's definitely risen, but mm-hmm. where's what's the disparity in the two? I mean, why is AJ more expensive than DK? Uh, if I had to guess, I mean, I would say that it's well, it's possibly for because of recency bias. But actually, after this past uh, this past weekend, that might not be the case. Um, but that, I mean, it also could be because if you look at uh, Seattle's offense compared to Tennessee's offense, I mean, who else does Tennessee really have from it from a volume standpoint that can take away from AJ Brown? I mean, unless folks are still sure. holding out for Corey Davis to break out, kind of like Devontae Parker, like, you know, towards the end of his rookie contract, I, I don't really see that. So it really is like A.J. Brown is kind of like the only game in town, like versus with DK. I mean, they're one, I mean, they're more apt to run the ball than pass the ball. 
and Tyler Lockett's still there. I mean, they still have this fascination with David Moore. I mean, Jerron Brown before he got hurt. Uh, Jacob Hollister coming on as the as one of their tight ends. So it just seems like from a from a volume standpoint, you could. It's easy for me to project AJ Brown to see more volume than DK Metcalf. I think it has to be market share, and I think that market share just has to be overweight so much that it uh, cancels out all of the positives for DK. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you mentioned other guys, but Tyler Lockett, we thought at the beginning of the year was becoming a volume guy, which he had never been, and. After the injury, he went right back to being a low-volume, high-efficiency type of wide receiver. Right. And DK started getting peppered with targets when we thought that he was the low-volume, high-efficiency guy. And then he started running more routes. And what I really liked that Seattle did with him is they just got him the ball. And I thought that was phenomenal. I mean, the dude's huge. The dude's fast. Just get him the ball. And uh, it's refreshing because you don't often see that kind of common sense in the NFL anymore, especially from a team that runs as much into a brick wall as Seattle does. Mm-hmm. But they have done a phenomenal job. I mean, my hat's off to their usage of DK Metcalf. And I really don't think – I mean, it's it's going to be tough because DK's still playing in the playoffs and he seems to just feel like he's going to dominate the playoffs. So his price might rise. But if I could trade AJ for DK plus anything, I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah, I can I can see that, and uh, I think with uh, with DK Metcalf, I mean, kind of two things like uh, kind of stood out for me. Uh, one, uh, uh, Davis Maddock on Twitter, he had put out, uh, he'd showed like side by side images of the of DK Metcalf's uh, like route tree from week one versus his route tree from just this past weekend. And there was just like, I mean, just a stark contrast from just asking him to run like essentially go routes and slants in week one versus this past week where it was slants, it was go routes, it was hitches, it was drags. I mean, it was just, you can almost see them like trying to teach him how to increase his utility on the field. And I mean, that's what you want, right? I mean, you you want a guy with raw talent and then you want to try and teach that, like you know, try and like breed him into becoming a more like a highly utilized receiver. Where it's just if you see this big guy that can move quickly and actually just muscle receivers uh, like uh, cornerbacks out of the way, you'd want to like put the ball in his hands as much as possible. And I mean, just seeing that, like, there's really no way to dispute like what he was able was capable of doing just this past weekend against Philly. I mean, I mean, albeit it was against Philly, but still. I mean, the fact that he was able to run more routes, I mean, it just gives me hope that most of the doubters and most of the people, I mean, myself included, of course, I was like, I was concerned about the three cone time Mm -hmm. and like, just like everybody else. I mean, it kind of became a meme at some point, but still, I mean, the, the fact that the Seahawks saw the talent, they were able to put him in a place to actually maximize where he wins at to the point where it did like the three cone thing. It doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't. Now, think about what the Patriots asked Nikhil Harry to do, like, off, like, right off, right off, like, right out of the gate. And, I mean, I know a lot of folks now, in hindsight, would probably say that, well, if the Patriots had a wide receiver like DK Metcalf, they'd be, they'd be still in the playoffs. But I don't think they would have the the foresight to be able to use him in a way that he can win such that it would be advantageous for the team. So it really comes down to a, a confluence of the player, his talent, and also the team recognizing that talent 
And really, like both of those things kind of coming together. So we we see what we saw just this past weekend. And I think the most impressive thing from DK and the thing that I was the most excited about is that Russell Wilson was going to improvise and that was going to really let DK show his strengths because, yes, the three cone was bad. And maybe that means that he doesn't get in out of his breaks fast enough. But if you look at those route trees, those were two route plays oftentimes. Mm-hmm. He got into his second route when when needed, and he was where Russell Wilson wanted him to be. And a lot of these times you see Russell Wilson scrambling nowadays. You see him pointing to DK Metcalf, this is where I want you to sit. And you see DK Metcalf sitting in that zone, and he's too big and he's too strong when he gets any separation. He really doesn't need much separation at all, to be honest with you. So we're just – we need to learn from 2019 because – We need to look at the systems that people landed in, and we need to see if these players are able to overcome any disparity in the system as pertains to their game. Because A.J. Brown was really kind of fit to do anything, and we didn't really recognize that. Me and you really kind of fell in love with them there towards the end. Granted, we also fell in love with Hakeem Butler, but Mm -hmm. it was because he had that kind of juju-like he can do it all. He can do anything right. you ask him to do. And we saw Tennessee and we saw Marcus Mariota and we said, there's no way he can succeed there. Mm-hmm. Well, now we need to take these teams and kind of make a Venn diagram with skills versus teams and see, is that overlap big enough? Because dropping him down to 110 and 111 was a huge mistake in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, even if he didn't blow up, that was a, still a huge mistake. I mean, if he had Preston Williams season and then got hurt, that was still a mistake to have on that low if you see how many busts we had. So let's get into the last one. Let's try to touch on it real quick. Um, what what do we what do we want to do with first round picks? So this season and I, like I need to do a bit more in-depth look at the class itself, but this is just my like initial take uh, just from things I've been seeing around Twitter. Uh, so in like quarterback like uh, like two QB like super flex leagues, uh, it seems like it, we have a decent amount of uh, a quarterbacks to choose from. I mean, we've got, we got Burrow. Uh, I think from like he, he declared, we've got Chase Young, yeah. uh, Jalen hurts. I mean, do we, I mean, there, there are some decent prospects that are coming out this season, but at the, at the skill positions, I don't know. I like, I, I I'm kind of meh like on the rest on the, for the, for the running backs. I'm kind of meh wide receivers look pretty decent. Cause we've got Judy, we got CD, so we've got like a couple of decent. It seems very top heavy uh, for the mm-hmm. wide receivers, and tight ends are pretty much all kind of a mixed bag. So for first round picks, like I can understand some folks like if they're not towards the the top of the first round, trading back into the second, mm-hmm. or if you're in the top of the second, trading back to the end of the second, early third. Like I can kind of see folks just kind of sitting back and seeing who uh, uh, who everybody else wants to try and pick up ahead of them. Yeah. So here's the thing. I can tell you what. I think that I should do, but I can also tell you what I know that I'm going to do. So what I think after doing this for as many years as I have and trying to adjust every year is that you should trade back this year. Um, I'm firmly team DeAndre Swift. Um, Just like last year, I was firmly team Josh Jacobs, even though I liked Hakeem Butler, AJ Brown and Nikhil Harry more than Jacobs. I felt like running backs are always going to give you, um, value fast and if you look at that i mean you could trade josh jacobs for Nikhil harry plus a lot 
and that's just how it works. I rank based on value, not based on uh, potential. I I can have a separate ranking for potential. Like I could say, I think that Nikhil Harry will have a more productive fantasy career than Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs in year one was going to provide me more value, so I could flip him quicker. And I'm going to do the same thing this year. Um, running back, running back, running back. Of course, if you're in Superflex, you're going to draft Burrow, but. I'm just going to trade my first. I almost always do. And there's always going to be uh, those guys that people are down on that they shouldn't be. Um, Look at Juju. He's 22, and you can probably trade the 102 maybe even for him. You might not even need to trade the 101 for Juju at this point because people are down on Juju, but he's going to get Ben Roethlisberger back next year. I mean, you can make Mm -hmm. the case for a lot of these guys. Calvin Ridley is another guy to target. Yeah, I mean, he got hurt towards the end of the year, so not a lot of people are targeting him. Um, You know, Julio's got to go eventually, but I don't even know that that helps Ridley that much. I think it actually might hurt him a little bit. So there's these guys that I'd rather just take. And, yeah, you might miss out on getting someone like A.J. Brown or D.K., but the idea is you traded for somebody that had the the same ability that you've already seen. I mean, we've already seen Juju be elite, and he's the same age as some of these people coming out. So I think that the safest route is to just trade your first-round picks um, altogether. But I wouldn't do it until right before the draft. I mean, like right before the draft when people are salivating to get these guys and they wish they had traded for your first. Yeah, like somewhere year. between the combine and the draft. Yeah, or draft day. I mean, mm-hmm. I would, I don't want to be the guy that's on the clock for eight hours, but I will wait until I'm close to being up and say, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to move this pick. Mm-hmm. But well, I, what I would advise if you're not comfortable trading your pick completely for a player's, just get back. I mean, I love DeAndre Swift, but there's so many other running backs that you can make the case for that. It, it is very top-heavy, but we're talking top-heavy as in like the first 15 picks. And after the first 15 picks, it gets hairy. Mm -hmm. But we're used to the first four picks and it gets hairy, the first seven picks and it gets hairy. We're talking about like 15 or 16 guys that you can feel like I'm comfortable that this guy is going to succeed. Yep. And not even like Hakeem Butler where we're all trying to fight back and forth. It's like we've got consensus that we've never had on some of these guys. I mean, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, everybody's just like, okay. Mm -hmm. Pick, pick your wide receiver one. I'm not going to fight you one, you know? And it's just because they're both going to succeed. I mean, landing spots will shake it up. But if you can just take your 103 or 104, trade back to the 110 and 2-2, I mean, you're going to get two bona fide studs that have pretty much the same chance to succeed as Swift does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think uh, a lot lot more news, obviously, I mean, especially with – uh, we still have the uh, the college bowl games to kind of the ferret some uh, some additional information out about some of the prospects that are coming out. Yep. Senior um, bowl, senior bowl. I mean, there's there's so much more like events. I mean, the while the NFL still has like plenty of stuff going on. I mean, college is still hot and popping right now. So there'll be plenty of news that will be coming out. That I mean, we'll be providing most of like our thoughts and analysis. And uh, of course, you can catch either our thoughts or any of the rest of our team's thoughts like uh, over at DLF, like kind of as the off season unfolds. So I think that's pretty much it for right now, man. I mean, yeah, we just wanted to, again, drop in real quick, get in touch with everybody and kind of let everybody know that we're back. And uh, if you have any other, I guess, questions, 
go to DLF, hit up the mailbag, come and find us there. Come and find us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Allen, FFWX. Adam is at AP Wilde, W-I-L-D-E. And other than that, we will catch you guys soon. Thank you guys for coming back and welcome. It's season three, folks. So we'll catch y'all next week. 101 pick when it hits you feel no pain praying for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic